Last week we talked about being Christmas to the world, and uh, we talked about decoration, and that we're supposed to be the decoration, the decoration of God. That we're that we're made and handcrafted, and we're we're planned. Our ultimate goal is to become in the image of Jesus Christ. That that's what God's doing is that He's chipping off of our edges, and He's taking this this hunk of of unformed either clay or wood, and He's carving it, and he's making it to look like Jesus. And so if you expect that you're going to have some change in your life, that's good because that's what Christianity means. It means that you come and you die to yourself and you get changed to be like his glory. And we talked about the fact that there's ways that we do this, and one of the worst ways that we do this is we be those over-the-top, obnoxious, uh, weird, not peculiar people of Christians, kind of like the ugly Christmas sweater. And and so the, the reality is everybody knows what the ugly Christmas sweater stands for, but most people are like, I get it, but I just don't want that. And that's not what Christianity is all about. That's not what following Jesus is all about. It's not to make some flashy, over-the-top, weird, crazy path or lifestyle. But also let me say this. God has given me a strong word to share with you this morning, and I hope the flashing lights and the silliness can offset the fact so that you don't get offended. Although we're not called to be ugly sweater people, we're also not called to look like the world. He's called us to something altogether different, and in my estimation, I'm, I'm in my 50s now, I see that the church at large looks more and more like the world with each passing year. And it's not, when we think of the church, I, I want to caution, like I said, here's part of the strong part. You've got to start, stop thinking of the church as other people. You're the church. Not the building, not a denomination, not, not somebody else somewhere, you. You were saved by Jesus Christ. And when you don't live up to what he's called us to do, you're just as bad as me and just as bad as the world when we act like we live a different life when he has called us to be peculiar. Not weird, but peculiar means that when you look at the rest of the people that aren't saved, there should be a marked difference. Not in how we dress, but how we live, how we spend, how we play, how we raise, how we marry, how we do at school, every part of our life. People should see that there's a difference in our standards, a difference in our morality. Instead of saying they look and play and act just like us, they just go someplace different on Sunday. And so I just want you to know that I'm not here to bring guilt because guilt doesn't do anything for us, but I hope that you'd allow the Holy Spirit to maybe convict this morning on some areas that we're going to cover. And, and it's tough, but until we can be the type of people that shine bright for Jesus Christ, the church and the glory of God gets reduced. And no wonder people don't want it. No wonder people don't want what we have because it looks like what they've already got. In fact, in some cases, it looks like they're already ahead of us. And that's not the way it should be. And so I want to ask if you would pray with me this morning that this does its proper content and that, that I can kind of get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you this morning through God's Word. So here we go. Father, we're coming to you as we read your Word. Would you allow it to, 
to reach our hearts, not to stop up our ears if we hear something that, that strikes at us or, or shows an area of our life that we're still involved in. It just means that you're seeing to us and it's time for a change. So Lord, help us to not be offended, help us to not shut it out, but to receive your word fully the way that it was meant to be in us, that we don't read it like the newspaper, we read it as something that changes us from the inside out. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, it'll be a little different this morning because I'm using the message translation just because I like the flow of it this morning for this passage. We're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And as you know, we're talking about this being Christmas, and lights are always part of Christmas. We put up Christmas lights, and we decorate, and we do all that stuff. But Christmas lights seem to be one of those things. But how many of you know that the best time to look at Christmas lights is at lunchtime? It's not, right? The best time to look at Christmas lights is when it's dark, right? See, I knew you guys were on top. You guys are already with me this morning. It's going to be a good day. See, that's the purpose of light, is that light contrasts with the darkness, just like the beautiful trees, right? So you're seeing the light on the dark background. You see the lights uh, outlining a darkened house. If it was bright day, there's no need for those lights. And, and God understood this, and he, he spoke this to John, and he's hoping that you'll get this as well. And John was an ordinary guy, just like you and me. He, he wasn't some super-duper spiritual anything. He was just a normal guy that loved Jesus and understood who he was. And so read with me verses 4 through 8 here. Uh, again, it'll be on the screen, but it's the message version, and, and it's going to sound a little different, but let it soak into you this morning. What came into existence, that being Jesus, was life. And the life was light to live by. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Right there is enough for us to understand. The way that he lived should be enough for us to live as well. And again, I'm not talking about technology or any of this stuff. I'm talking about his style of how he handled people, how he handled stress, how he handled the world around you. Because if you think you've got a bad time with the people around you, imagine Jesus who is perfect in every way, surrounded by filth and darkness and sin and religion that's keeping people out of heaven. The lifelight blazed out of the darkness, out of sin, out of ignorance. And the darkness couldn't put it out. You see, when we see things that are different from us, we've got a response that we have to make. And, and that's the point of the message this morning. When we see things that are different, what are you going to do about it? When you see that your life doesn't line up with God's Word, what are you going to do about it? You can pull back into darkness and just say, well, that was then, and that's just how it is. Or you say, maybe I need to step up my game. And that's what I'm here to tell you this morning. If you're a visitor with us this morning, and, and we're glad that you're here, but I'm also calling everybody here from students on up, it's time to step up our game. We're not doing Jesus any favors by living nominal lives where we blend in and just hope to make it to heaven. That is not what he's called us to be. He has called us to be light. The darkness couldn't put it out. They tried to put it out. They tried to shut him up. They tried to shut him down. They tried to threaten him. They tried to kill him. But they couldn't put it out. 
There was a man, his name was John, and he was sent by God. Did you know you're a sent person this morning? You are a sent person, sent by God into a dark world, not to match its darkness, but to match light with light. There was a man named John. There was a man, whatever your name is, fill in right there, sent by God to point out the way to the life light. What's our job? Point to the light bringer, right? He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. What's our job? It's our job to point the way to the light bringer, to show them where to look and who to believe in. I'm not here to get you to believe in church. I'm here to get you to look at Jesus Christ and to line up our lives along with what he says that we should be. Not some religious faction, not some militant doctrine, but just what the Bible says, whether we like it or not. We are called to be light bearers. And notice this, John was not himself the light. He wasn't the light. He was there to show the way to the light. That's what you and I are here as well, is that we bring a little bit of that light, not because we bear the light, but because Jesus has put the light in us, and we can say, if you want this type of light, I'll tell you how to get it. Now, the hard part is this, that, that we've kind of taken a back seat to this as a, as a modern culture, and now we're kind of like a, a black light bulb. Oh, it's shining a light, but it's not a bright light anymore. It's not a light that stands out anymore. It's not a light that says, hey, it's different than the darkness. It's just barely making a difference. And there's all kinds of politicians and all kinds of movements that are trying to explain why church this and why church that, and we're in a post-Christian world. We're not in a post-Christian world. The problem is the church is not being what the church was meant to be. And when the church will actually rise up and step up its game to be what it'll be, there won't be a post-Christian anything. It'll be a present Christian every generation. But all it takes is for us to decide to not settle in, to not blend in, to not back up, to not darken down, but to actually say when things get darker, it's our job to be bright. And there may be people that said, oh, look at you. Yep. That's not our problem. That's their problem. Like I said, it's not our job to be the ugly sweater, but to think that we're supposed to blend in and be black lights is not what Jesus has called us to at all. But we ought to understand the light does not come from us. The light comes from Him. It's not about our works. It's not about our attendance. It's not about our giving. It's not about our service. It is about Jesus Christ alone, and He is the only light that can shine through us. The problem is we want us to shine through us, and that's not what He's called us to do. In fact, He said, I want you to do something different. I want you to be born again. I want you to see a new way of life. I want you to live differently. I want you, when you follow me, that you're going to do things a little bit different, and I'm even going to show you how. And it doesn't mean you have to quit your job, and it doesn't mean you have to move someplace else. It just means that you agree that wherever he's going to go and however he did it, maybe I can do it that way. Think about that. Imagine if we actually did things the way that Jesus did things, maybe we'd get Jesus' results. I mean, he came into the world in a matter of just a few short years with 12 guys started changing the world. And here we are, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. Let's ask a question. Do you think anybody will be talking about you in 2,000 years? 
10 years after you're gone? And yet here we are 2,000 years later talking about a risen Savior and the men that followed him and what they did and what they believed and how they went against the tide and they went against the flow and they, they had their moments of doubt, just like all of us. That's why I say no guilt this morning. It's not a performance-based thing. It's about making a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ. Not your decision to do your thing your way. And, and that's part of that darkness that I want to speak to you right here. Let's get over the hard part here first. That darkness means sin. It means ignorance. It means rebellion. And when we rebel against the things of God, it brings darkness. You see, that's the beauty of light. See, whatever stands in the way of light creates what? Shadow. Now, here's the reality. Shadow is not true darkness, but it definitely ain't light, is it, church? It's a gray area. And that's the problem. We, we choose to be blockers of light. My whole life doesn't line up. And again, I realize we're not perfect, so don't hear that I'm calling everybody perfect today, but I am calling everybody to step up their game and decide, you know what, blending in and just going through the motions is not enough. I just want to live my quiet Christian life. I'm just hoping to fly under the radar just long enough to make it to heaven. And then what are you going to say to him when he says, how come you rebelled against, how come you're cheating on your spouse? How come you're cheating on your test? How come you're stealing from your employer? How come you're living just like your neighbors? How come you have no ability to share your faith with Jesus Christ to anybody else around you? How come, how come, and you're going to stand there and go, uh, well, it was hard. But Jesus, you don't understand the culture I lived in. Think about the men that he called away and the culture that they lived in. You think it was hard? You think there was choices? And I'm not going to get hung up on all the external, and it's, it's way past all that time for all the weirdness of church to condemn TVs and shows. We watch TV, let's be honest. Right? We've got enough distractions to last us a lifetime. And I'm not telling you to stop any of that stuff. What I am telling you to do is this. Follow Jesus Christ. Because if he wants some of that stuff gone, then the Holy Spirit will take care of that. It's not my job to take care of that. In fact, I would just challenge you this. All those distractions get involved. Give equal place to Jesus when you do that stuff. And I'll bet you pretty soon those things will start losing their appeal. But that's the hard part. We minimize Jesus. We tone down our light because it's too bright and our friends get kind of... What your friends are probably feeling is not you being weird. It's probably conviction that they see a difference in how you live and how you think and the decisions that you make. And they should. Not that you can say, yeah, I'm better than you, but for you to say that's how we do it when we follow Jesus. We point it back to Him. But John came to point to Jesus, to the light bearer, and to show them the way and to give them something to believe in. He put his life on the line. Did you know that? He put his life on the line to declare that message. And here we are today. We're not sure if we can actually even say Jesus outside of church. It's time to step up our game. And maybe you wanted a nice, comfortable, lighthearted Christmas. This is lighthearted. Look at But let's be honest, which one really glorifies God more? 
me asking you to step up your game and follow him at a deeper level? Or just trying to make you feel good with where we're sitting at today? You tell me, look around. Where do you see the church in 10 years? Even worse, where do you see the people 40 and under 10 years from now that are walking away from religious facilities, walking away from a dead faith like never before? And yet I read the word and it says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But if we allow it to, the church can become so dark that it no longer makes a difference. If we allow it to, the, the church just becomes this dim place where it's no better than the Elks Lodge or the Moose or some fraternal or sorietal organization that people go and we know some people and we have some fun and our friends are there. But if that's what following Jesus is, we might as well quit now because following Jesus is a lot more than having friends where there's a place that everybody knows your name and a place where you always feel comfortable. Following Jesus means that it may cost you something. Following Jesus means that sooner or later we've got to decide to let our light shine. Following Jesus means we've got hard decisions to make and you've got to decide, am I going to reject him and live in rebellion or am I going to follow him? And every one of us knows, I'm just like every one of you. I struggle with this. I'm a human being. I have failures. I walk in stuff. And I want to do better. I've got to up my game. But we've all got to. I can't be the church alone. I can't lead the church alone. We've got a head shepherd named Jesus Christ, and he's calling us to be light. Not some artificial thing, but the pure light, the life-bringing light. Not the flashy, neon, hypnotic glow of a Vegas that appeals to our flesh, but something that kind of makes you step back like looking into the sun type of light. An experience early on in my relationship with Jesus Christ at a revival meeting. Whether you call it a vision or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter what you call it. And I just felt like I was bathed in light, and it felt so comfortable at first, and then pretty soon I could sense that God was there, and that light became very uncomfortable, like an x-ray looking through me, into me. And I knew what was in there. And it wasn't a look of disgust where he's like, hmm, but it was a revelation light so that I understood what he saw. And the fact that he loved me anyway is powerful. But some of you, you've got to allow that light to shine into your rebellion of your life, of what you're walking in and what you're watching and what you're doing because it's starting to look like we're the world with the way that we practice. We divorce just as much. We're hooked on porn just as much. We're in a debt just as much. We're, we're not raising our children to follow our faith just as much. We're, we're letting them decide for themselves what they're going to believe and what their genders are and all of these things. And that is not what Jesus Christ has called us to be. What he's called us to be is light. Something that's attractive. Something that brings life. Here's what Luke says. Chapter 11. No one lights a lamp and then hides it in a drawer. Duh. <laughs> right? 
It's put on a lampstand so that those entering the loom have light to see where they're going. Church, it's our job to give light for people to see where they're going. We can't make the decision for them, but we can point the way, right? Now look at this. Your eye is a lamp lighting up your whole body. If you live wide-eyed in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. That's pretty descriptive this morning, isn't it? Think about walking down into a nasty old cellar that's kind of musty and poorly lit. And Is that the representation of our spiritual lives? It shouldn't be. Now, when I read this, I'm thinking, it's not about that all of a sudden we shoot light out of our eyes, right? We're not, we're not superhuman people that have laser beam eyes. But what he's really saying is, what are you focused on? God's Word is pretty clear that he describes that we should put our gaze in, in fact, fix our gaze on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, when we keep looking at the world and mimicking them, our lives begin to grow dim and they begin to look a lot more like cellars than a well-lit room. Put your focus on Him and just follow. It's, it is difficult, but believe me, it'll serve you well. You'll be a better person. You'll be a better husband, a better wife, a better kid, a better employer. You'll be a better friend, a better brother or sister by following Jesus Christ. But that doesn't make it easy. It just makes it something that's a great benefit. How about you? Where are you squinty-eyed when it comes to the Bible? When you say, ah, I don't know. You know, I just can't do that. You know, that whole money thing. That whole lifting your hands and worship thing. That whole... Uh, it doesn't stop you from doing that anyplace else. I see stadiums filled with people that raise their hand and go crazy when somebody carries a ball over a line on a field. And I see those same people shelling out hundreds of dollars for a ticket to that and seven bucks for a solo cup full of beer and eight dollars for a hot dog. And none of them are walking away saying, you know, that Safeco, they're all about the money. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Jesus isn't all about the money. He's about your heart. And it's never a money issue, it's a heart issue. Just like a worship issue, it's not whether you can sing good or not. I can't sing good at all. But you know what? I'm going to worship my Savior because He has saved me from eternal damnation and I get to go to heaven. That's worth singing about. And not just on Sunday when I get to sit down here. I make it a point to worship throughout the week. Because if you don't, it feels fake. It feels plastic. It feels like just something you do. And I don't want that for you. That's not a relationship. That's just an event. And Christianity is not an event. It is a walk that should last a lifetime. 
What are you focusing on? What are you squinty-eyed about that the scriptures are telling you, hey, you better get this going. You better stand up to this. You better start walking in this. Keep your eyes open. Verse 35, keep your eyes open. Keep your lamp burning so you don't get musty and murky. Keep your life as well-lighted as your best-lighted room. Think about that. It's only when things aren't well-lit that we run into things. It's only when things aren't well-lit that we lose our way. He doesn't want us to lose our way. He doesn't want us to get dark and musty in our faith. And for those of you that are younger, I just apologize up front. Unfortunately, you haven't had a very good example of the church. A previous generation, I think that they changed their lives and there was a lot of religion, a lot of code of conduct stuff that was in there, but you know what? There were changes that were made and they tried their best to live up to Jesus' standards by the Bible and then somehow we kind of let it down and said, hey, it's okay to just be a flake. And I'm here to tell you it's not. It's time for us to stand up and stand out. It's time for us to be a light to a dark. I mean, it's not getting any lighter out there. And it's not supposed to be. He's told us that. And that's why we have to step up our game. We have to be light. You need to be a light at your school. You need to be a light on your sports team. You need to be a light in the coffee shop when you go. You need to be a light when you're working as an electrician or a pipe fitter or whatever it is that you do or a mom at home raising your kids. You need to be the person that lights up the room. Not the flashy, ugly sweater where everybody's like, oh, gee, turn it down. But the type of person that they can say, I'm really struggling, and I bet you, I bet you they could give me good advice. They've been married a long time to the same person. I bet you they know how marriage works. They seem to be managing their money pretty good. I, I could ask them advice. Their kids seem to be well-behaved and disciplined kids that love their family and love God. I, maybe, maybe they're the people I should talk to. That's what it means to stand out. Not the person that's over the top and flaky and I've seen all that and you've seen those people too and they're not attractive. God has not called us to be that kind of light. He's called us to be the kind of light that reflects Him, reflects His walk. Here's what Matthew says. It's funny that these verses are found in, in the Gospels and that they're all saying kind of the same thing in a different way about this light. Matthew says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. Think about that for just a minute. Instead of flowing into the darkness and the, the wacko spirituality of this world, we're here to bring out the God colors. We're here to bring out the beauty and the peace and the joy and the kindness, and the goodness, and the gentleness, and the humility. We are here to bring that out of the world. We're here to inspire that into people's lives. God is not a secret to be kept. And right here is another strong point. Some of you, you've got to get over being a secret service agent for Jesus Christ. But they might reject me. Here's the strongest point of the message, and I hope that you hear this with love. And this is not my word, this is his word. If you are ashamed of me, when I come with my angels in glory, I will be ashamed 
of you. That's what Jesus himself says. Now, I don't know what all that means, but I'm telling you, I don't think you want Jesus to be ashamed of you. I don't know how that turns out. I don't know the limits of his grace. He knows all that. But I'm just telling you, I don't want to be on the side like, uh, I don't know. I think that ashamed means it's going to be okay. (laughs) I'd rather be, I know I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I'm not ashamed to live it. I'm not ashamed to love him. I'm not ashamed to show it. I don't have to be mouthy and over the top, and I definitely don't have to be obnoxious and chase people down in parking lots, and I don't have to stand in the middle of Walmart and make a big display. You know what I can do? My life on fire for Jesus Christ is shining the light. And then other people come and say, wow, let's go look at those lights, right? Isn't that amazing? We're like that as human beings. We're kind of strange. How many of you stand out in front of your own house and go, wow, look at those lights? Or are you weird like us and you get in the car and you go look at everybody else's lights? Oh, look at those lights. Oh, man, they've got their set to music. Oh, man, they've got all the blow-up things. Oh, man, we go where we see those things, right? What if that was our life that people saw that light in us and they're like, wow, let's go look at that life. Instead, they see us and they drive by a darkened house that doesn't even look like they've got anything going. Is it even inhabitable? He is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. That's what he's saying. He put that city on the hill so that from a distance in the dark, people could see the light and it would guide them in. We live in a darkened world that they need as much light as they can, and that light comes from us, reflected from Jesus. They don't need more darkness. They don't need cool, dark lights. Now, that's aging me because, I mean, how many of you remember like the dark light posters back in the day, right? Right? Okay, everybody that's got gray hair, thank you. All right. Just be thankful you got hair. That's all I got to say. This is what he's saying. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? Think about that. Do you think he's embarrassed of us when we shine his light? He's like, way to go. He's not embarrassed. He's not trying to hide that. He's not, a, he's not uh, put aside by that. I'm putting you on a light stand. He's like, I want the church to be glorious. I want the church to be victorious. I want the church to be transformative. I want the church to be light. Not the beige that blends in with everything. I'm putting you on a lampstand. I'm lifting you up. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Church, it's time for us to shine, right? I'm not calling you to perfection. It's only through Jesus Christ that we get perfected. But I'm saying we can up our game and we can shine better than we've been shining, right? Just make small little changes. I'm going to, this year, I'm going to do what Jesus says about and just follow through on that one thing. No New Year's resolution and God doesn't care how much weight you gain or don't. Don't waste your money on a Bowflex. How about we put our life at full power, full radiance? I want you to shine. I want you to keep open house 
and be generous with your life. Think about that. Hospitality. Knowing that that room, that the way you live is not just on Sunday. It's that way all the time. Right? You ever been to an open house? Floors are swept. Everything's clean. Food's set out. It's all nice. It's the best of that house you're going to see. Right? Imagine living like that every day. You think, that would be awkward. I'm not talking about all the polished floors. I'm talking about that the door's open, well lit. We're home. This is how we are. Come in. We'd love to see you and the light's on for you, right? Remember the old Motel 6? They keep the light on for you. Keep an open house. Be generous with your lives. Sharing our lives. Sharing our light. Sharing our faith. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. Look at that. As we open up with people, people open up with us. The more we keep quiet, the more quiet it gets. You prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now, I know some of you are thinking, that's not what the Scripture says. It's the same thing. It's just a different telling. It really says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they give glory to God. Right? You heard that in your verse? (laughs) Now think about that. How are we living right now that other people are going, that is awesome, that's a person that's following Christ. But that's what he's saying. It's time to up the game. It's time to turn the light up. I don't know what we're waiting for. Maybe you're holding back for the the end of your life. or I, I don't know. But it's time for us I'm not worried about anybody else's church. This is our church. You're my family. I want to see you shine brightly. I don't want you to be ashamed. And I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of you. But that means we've got to stop comparing our lives to a world culture. We've got to stop thinking that they're what's cool. And if we don't meet up with their standards, that somehow we're out of whack. We should be out of whack. We're following Jesus. I'm not even calling you something radical. I'm just saying follow Jesus and allow him to guide your lives. How you live, how you make decisions, how you work, how you play, how you spend. Right? How do you explain it to your friends when you're living together and they say, don't you go to church? Well, yeah, but you know, Washington State's got community life. What's keeping you from getting married? Get married. What's keeping you from telling your kids about Jesus and bringing them? Well, you know, they've got friends that they don't get to decide that. They're children. Never before have I encountered this. As I'm saying, I feel like I'm getting older and older. I'm thinking, since when did children get the say in how we live our lives? And I'm not saying punish them, and I'm not saying drag them to everything. I mean, that was a little bit more of that, that lunacy of attendance is what gets you to heaven type thing. But I'm saying to let them decide to stay home and to not have faith, it's your job to teach them. Because if you don't, somebody will. And that's scary. They need you to teach them what values are. They need you to teach them 
what kind of things that we do and don't do. Just because the world does it doesn't make it right for us. We put it through the filter of God's Word, and then it's settled for us, right? I don't get to have an opinion on this, right? It's not my opinion. It's God's Word. He doesn't say, if you'd like to, turn up the light. He didn't even ask permission. Would it be okay with you if I talked to you about the light? He didn't say that. I'm the Savior of the world. I am the light, and I'm asking you to be light because you're people that follow me. If you're not going to follow me, don't follow me. If you're going to follow me, step up the game and turn on the lights. That's really what he's saying. You got to stop that ignorance, stop that darkness, stop that rebellion, because that's keeping us in the dark. No matter what we do here on a Sunday morning, and this is important, but it's not as important as how you're living your lives outside of here, because that's where everybody else sees you. And we need to live it with the lights turned on. We need to live it reflecting Jesus Christ. We need to be the ones that are pointing to Him. Right? You could literally be changing somebody's life. Wouldn't that be awesome? They may not even know that they need it, but it doesn't matter. They get to choose whether they're going to take it or not. All you have to do is point the way, right? Just like directions. Stop in for directions someplace, and they say, oh, I want you to go down here. Take a left here, take a right there. And you say, yeah, thanks. And then you go back to the car, and what do you say? He doesn't know how to get there. And you choose not to take their advice, but then you find out, oh, they did know where they were going. Jesus knew how to get us home safely, church. He knows how to get us to heaven with the best lives imaginable. He knows how to help us dial up the light, not through some wacko religion, not through being an ugly sweater Christian, but also not through being a blacklight Christian. We've got to be people that shine. Right? And not shine us, but shine him. Right? I want to ask you to stand up with me this morning. This is important. Not just for you, but for us as a church, for us as the next generation.